This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And today we're going to continue with our series we started last week called Overflow, Cultivating a Generous Spirit. And this is important because we need to be like Him. We need to be generous. And we looked at, we started looking at how God wants us to prosper. And I want to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Say prosper. God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. He wants you to prosper and not to harm you. God's not out to harm you. He's not against you. He's for you. Aren't you glad God is not against you? Plans to give you hope and a future. Jesus Christ came to give us abundant life. And you looked up, it means life to the overflowing. That's what God wants for us. And we're going to look, how do you get that? How do you receive that? How do you walk in that? And I'm just going to review just for a moment uh, last week because it's important that we, we take this step by step. But let me say this, the enemy of your soul will attack this probably harder than any other area. Well, doesn't want you to know that God wants you to prosper. He wants to attack you. He doesn't want you to discover all the blessings of being a, a good steward. So the enemy comes and he wants, to, he wants to cause this to be a barrier in your life. And you don't even realize it's there. And God wants you to be free and to really see victory. So we looked last week and we talked about the tithe, the firstborn, first things. We're going to continue with that. And they're all that really means, means the same thing. It's giving to God first because He is first. We saw that this is an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. It's important that we honor and we worship God with our first fruits, with our tithe. The, the first, firstborn, if you remember, a clean animal was to be sacrificed unto the Lord and it would redeem the rest. If you had an unclean animal, say a, a donkey, you could not sacrifice the, the firstborn donkey because it was unclean. You had to get a clean animal, and it had to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean one. And you start seeing the picture of God's redemption even in Old Testament, in the, in the law, it's revealing, it's symbolizing what Jesus would do for us being the firstborn of God. If, the, if there was not a clean animal to redeem the unclean animal, you broke its neck. And, and breaking its neck symbolized eternal separation from God. There was no redemption. There's no one to redeem the unclean so its neck was broken or it was eternally uh, separated from God is what would speak to us. Adam sinned 
and this is the, the big picture here, Adam sinned and the whole human race became unclean. All were sinners because within Adam was the seed of the whole human race. So we were all born unclean. We were all born sinners. And we needed a redeemer. We needed to be saved. We need a savior. We needed the Messiah. We needed someone that would come for us. And God looked in the earth and there was no one that could redeem. There was no one clean because we had all come from the seed of Adam. So he sent his son, the firstborn of God, who was clean, spotless, pure. And because he was clean, he could be sacrificed to redeem us all. So within Jesus is the seed of a new race of people called new creation. And that's those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are redeemed. And Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. He is called the first among many brethren. And we're part of the family of God when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. So there was the picture, even in the Old Testament, of what God was going to do through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to continue to look some at, at God's firstborn or, or the tithe, the principle of first names belonging to God. In Romans 11 verse 16, it says, If the first piece of bread is offered to God, then the whole loaf is made holy. See, God sees the first as the root governing the rest. The first determines the state of the rest. So when I give my first to God, He blesses or covers the rest. When I give my tithe, I give my first 10%, and God blesses and covers the other 90%. I get more out of the 90 than I would the 100 if I didn't put God first. So putting Him first causes the blessing of God to be on your life. You're covered. Giving to God his, the first fruits redeems the rest. So I wanted to look at Abraham for just a few moments. Abraham was called the father of our faith. You remember God cut covenant uh, with Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. It's a tremendous promise. said, in your old age, you're going to have a son. And said, out of the son will come a great nation, a, a people that will far out, it will outnumber the stars or the grains of sand. Huge promise, promise here that God had given him. And then Genesis 21, verse 2, said Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Verse 5 says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Just a young whippersnapper, 100 years old. Now I haven't seen that on the news lately. I've been seeing some people live a long time, see some 100-year-olds and stuff, but I haven't seen them report yet that, look, we got one here that's 100 years old and just had a baby. Now, Sarah, she was no spring chicken. She was 90 years old. And this was all supernatural. There's no way that this could have taken place without God's intervention. So here comes a time when Isaac is a young man. We don't know exactly how old he was. Um, Josephus said he was 25 years old. We do know that 
what he had to do, he was going to climb a mountain, and he carried the wood up the mountain. He had to be, they say, at least a healthy uh, teenager, or he was an older young man, but he uh, was not just a, a baby. And I, I think it's interesting when you look at the story uh, of this, this young man's uh, devotion um, to God and to his, his dad. This is before the law of Moses, and we'll see the principle of first things. Abraham understood that Isaac was his firstborn, and he understood the firstborn belonged to God. But he's a child of promise, but here comes God, and he says, I want you to bring your son up this mountain and offer him to me. Can you imagine what had to go on the inside of Abraham? But God, you promised. It, it didn't say there was a, uh, this debate with God or anything like that. It's just like, okay. Because he knew the first belonged to God. In Genesis 21, verse 2, it says, 22, verse 4, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Now important here, here's God asking or commanding Isaac to give his son as an offering as the firstborn. And this is the first mention in the Bible of worship. It wasn't, Abraham, I want you to go up on the mountain, uh, bring the harps, bring you know, the minstrel. Uh, I want you to have a, a worship time and some praise and worship on top of that mountain. And that was the mention of worship. It didn't say that. It said that this is in the text of actually firstborn or first things. The first mention, and that's another message in itself, but you look at first mentions in the Bible and they, hear, they carry great significance. The first time worship is mentioned, it was in giving. It was in honoring God and giving to Him what belongs to Him, and that was the firstborn. Or to us, it would be the tithe. Now, I, I do need to mention this. It's the only time God mentioned uh, giving literally the life of the firstborn to him. He hadn't done it since. He's not going to do it again. So if you're frustrated with your child, and you hear a little voice says, offer him up as a sacrifice, that's not God. That was you and your flesh. <laughs> God doesn't, is not doing that. And uh, really this was uh, all about covenant. And that's, that's another study too. But when Jesus was the firstborn, when he was born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and they sacrificed, him being the firstborn, two doves, or it could have been two pigeons, we don't know, uh, for the firstborn unto God to, to redeem him. Now, the truth is, he didn't need to be redeemed. He was clean. But God had him go through the steps and, and do what the law said for him to do. Abraham says in this, and I love this, he told the servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship them. We will come back to you. We will come back to you. 
That's the language of faith. He knows what his, his job is to do, but he says we will come back because he knew the promise of God that God promised this child, this son to me, and out of him would come up this nation, uh, multitudes of people. And I really believe in my heart that Abraham thought that if he slew Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. And when you say it out in the picture, this is what happened. God saw Abraham as actually offering Isaac up. And of course, it was a picture of what would happen to Jesus. When you give to God first, it takes faith. And that's what was going on here with Abraham. He was walking in faith. And that's all he had to step on was the word of God, the promises of God. I just can't imagine. I've tried to put myself in his place, what, what he was thinking, going up this mountain. And I'm about to offer my son up to God as a burnt offering. Wow. Had to be a tremendous struggle going on. But he put his trust in God and he went on. In Genesis 22, going down to verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Adam, Abraham, built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. It's amazing to me that Isaac submitted to his father. He, he submitted. He had to have understanding of firstborn, of first fruits. He had to have some understanding. I believe Abraham had taught him. But here is a, a young man. He carries the wood up the mountain. We know he's strong. I really believe this 25-year-old or however old he was could took his 100-year-old dad. But there's no place in Bible it says, you know, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, you got to be joking me. I am not getting on top of there. You're not tying me up nowhere. Hey, I can take you. <laughs> we can reverse this. Hey, Dad, weren't you a firstborn? Let me just put you up there. It didn't say that. He, he submitted... And he, placed, he carries the wood up there and, and places himself on top of the wood. And his dad ties him up. Wow. And there wasn't none of this going, you know, Dad, is there a hidden camera around here? It's got to be a joke. No. This was real. Verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, that you trust God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now I know you put me first. Now I know that I can trust you, because you've not even withheld this, your son. No matter how hard it was for him, he stepped out in faith and he carried through with the command of God and he obeyed the Lord. In verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and, and took the ram and sacrificed it 
as a burnt offering instead of his son Isaac. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And this is where we get the term for that is Jehovah Jireh. I may have heard Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And to this day is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So Abraham, he's, he's slaying the son. God stops him and he sees a ram. By the way, he was a clean animal. And he takes the ram and the ram is sacrificed in the place of a son. And I can remember years ago we'd sing a song, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You know, we like to uh, shout and proclaim that God's our provider. But this was conditional. So you have to go up to the mountain. You have to go to the place. This is the place in this place of worship that God revealed a portion of himself. The first time he reveals a portion of who he is as the God who will provide Jehovah Jireh is revealed. Wow. But see, you've got to go up to the mountain to see Jehovah Jireh. You've got to obey and put him first, no matter how hard it is. We just heard a series about doing the hard things. Tithing was very hard for me, because I wasn't making it anyway. But I heard the word, and I said, I've got to climb this mountain. I just wanted to climb the mountain and just shout up there, Jehovah Jireh, waiting on the provision. But it took more than that. I had to worship God and follow through. I had to give my first fruits. I had to give that which belonged to Him. And then I found the provision of God. Then I found His supply. Supernatural crazy things happen. On paper, it wouldn't work out. But in real life, it worked out. And favor came. And blessing came. I told the Lord... I want to go to this men's conference. I don't have the money, but I trust you to provide. I'm a tither. And the day of the conference, I, I woke up, I go out to my truck, I get in it. I was going to drive there by faith. And I look over and there's an envelope in my seat beside me. I open it up. And there's the exact money that I needed for this conference. So then I did the proper thing. I went in and grilled everyone in the house. Did you put that there? I mean, at first I thought, well, that side must have been open. I reached over. It was locked. I asked everyone. No one did it. Most people didn't even know I wanted to go to the conference. It was, and I realized God had provided. He will provide. He's not a God that will lie. You can't lose putting Him first. You gain. We lose when we don't put Him first. We see this principle again in Israel going to the promised land, the city of Jericho. This walled fortress 
They're going to possess their possessions or an inheritance that was theirs. They're leaving the wilderness. The wilderness represent being a, a spiritual baby because God fed them. He, he looked over them like a mother uh, and a father does their child. He, they were fed. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Every provision, everything was supplied to them. And they were ready to leave the wilderness and the manna stopped. And they had come of age to enter into the promised land. Now, the gateway into the promised land, you had to go through a city called Jericho. Rich place, uh, uh, high walls, very, very strong fortress. And God says, I've given you that city. But he first, he, he makes a, lets them know, once again, the principle of first things. He tells them, this is mine. But won't you see, Jericho was the gateway between the wilderness of Sinai and the entrance into the abundance of Canaan. God told them, the first city, Jericho, belongs to me. The first city, he said, it's mine. First fruits. It was their first fruits, their tithe. God says, it's mine. Can you imagine the temptation that was there? He told them not to touch it. It was devoted to destruction. And all the gold and the silver was to put in, be put in the treasury of the Lord. So here they are, this fortress... And they would march around it. You know the story, they marched around it. And they couldn't say a word. And then, this is before they had duct tape too. No one could talk. And then they go back to camp, and they look at the 12 stones. They look at the memorial. They look back and they remember that just a few days before, they had crossed the Jordan River. They start remembering that they were rescued from the hands of Egypt. And God brought them forth of mighty power and signs and wonders. They start remembering what God had done for them. And that's what they would do every night after they marched around this walled fortress. And then, you know, on that last day, the seventh day, they went around. They shouted. They blew the trumpets. And the walls came down. That's the way Ellen and I were. This, this fortress, this gateway into abundance and blessing was the gateway of the tithe, and it looked like a walled fortress. Going, God, what about house note? What about car note? What about budget? What about this? Don't you know I work at the utility company? They don't pay much. or you know, Just all in your mind's going crazy, and you're walking around this walled thing until finally it dawns on you that God's bigger than natural provision. He's a supernatural God. He's not a God who will lie. And when you put Him first, He will bless you. He will provide for you. He will give you more than enough. You will overflow. And it dawned on me, revelation came and said, we're going through. And we shouted. We had our trumpets. We're shouting. We're going to tithe. And the walls came down. And there was God's provision. There was God's blessing. 
You couldn't pay me not to tithe now. I've seen too much. I know too much. The blessing of the Lord. At small group just the other night, I hear testimony of Richard and Chris Bounds. I mean, what the Lord had blessed him with. And she said at the end of the testimony, we're tithers. This is the blessing of the tither. I said, Amen. That's exactly it. God is a good God. Amen. Jericho represents the first fruits of the tithe, which belongs to the Lord, symbolizing the very best and the first of our income. It belongs to the Lord. Off the top, everything God blesses us, we get back the first 10%. Joshua 6, verse 18. And you, by all means, abstain from the cursed thing. This means devoted to destruction. Lest you become a curse when you take of the cursed things. Make and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. The cursed thing is not Ouija boards. <laughs> uh, it's not idols. It was that which was devoted to God. It was His. So these people, think about it. They walked by gold. They walked by silver. They walked by uh, fine pottery and clothes. They, they walked by grapes and, and, and food and all this stuff. They walked by it and they burned it all. They burned it all up. As God says, it belongs to me. In verse 24, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. So they take the city. The next city is Ai. And Ai was a small place. In fact, they scouted it and said, look, they're small in numbers. We don't need to even send everyone. This is going to be a piece of cake for us. This will be easy easy one for us to take over and they send their troops and they come running back they are chased out of the place 36 men, innocent men lose their lives and Joshua's going what, what's going on God what's, what's happened here and the Lord shows that someone took of that which belonged to me he took it in his tent. His name was Achan. He took it in his tent. And he dug a hole in his tent and he buried it. He took a Babylonian garment, you know, a coat. He took some gold and silver and he buries it. And it costs 36 people their lives. And Joshua's saying, who is it? And the Lord reveals who, whose it is. And Achan was stoned. His wife was stoned. His sons, his daughters, his animals, everything was burnt because he had touched the cursed thing. Now let me help you this. If you are not giving God your first fruits and tithing today, that does not happen today. Hallelujah. <laughs> that will not happen to you today. What happens to you today? You do not cross over into the land of abundance. 
You stay in the wilderness. The wilderness was not shortage. It was just enough. They couldn't store up the manna. They couldn't um, gather to themselves. It was a place of just enough. And until you go through that place, you're limiting God. You're limiting your blessing. It's costing you because you're not getting the full blessing of what God has for you. And it's as if you're living in the wilderness compared to the land flowing with milk and honey. That's the difference in the two. And tithing goes beyond just money. He can bless you in so many different ways. Because He honors those that honor Him. Let me say this too. You're not a tither. God still loves you. And He's still going to take care of you. He'll still provide for you. There's just a whole lot more for you. And we love you if you're not a tither. I love you if you're not. Amen? But I'm just stirring you with the truth, what God's Word says. And I stand before God responsible for ministering the truth. We find in, in the New Testament, Romans 2, 21, it says, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Now the Jews were bragging about their relationship with God. I mean, of course, they were talking about the law. And, and here comes Paul, he says, look, you teach not to steal, but are you not stealing? You teach not to commit adultery, but are you loving someone other than God first? You teach not to have idols. See, they came out of Babylonian captivity, and there was a spirit of idolatry on them. That's what had happened. And they were holding back that which belonged to God. And when you look this up in the Greek, it's a word sacrilege. And it means, and that's where we get Rob's temples. It's the crime of violating or profaning sacred things or of appropriating to common purposes what's been devoted to God. Paul accused him of idolatry. For the, for the Jews after the Babylonian captivity had fallen into that spirit of idolatry. That spirit consisted in withholding from the true God what was His due and bestowing the affections upon something else. This the Jews did by perverting from their proper use of the offering which were designed for God's honor by withholding what He demanded, tithes and offerings, and, and by devoting to other uses what was devoted to him and which properly belonged to his service. Now see, when you start understanding first things and that this is from Genesis to Revelations, it, it always is, it, it gives new meaning to certain verses. When Jesus walked into the temple and you remember he took the whip and he's whipping them and he's the, overturning the tables and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
because you're stealing and robbing from your Creator, the One who gave you breath and gave you life, who is first. And you owe Him all the honor and all the glory and all He's asking for is your first fruits. See, it's the primary way that God sees where your heart is. And it's true. Your giving, your spending is connected to your heart. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord of your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then points here. Number one, first fruits, first things, devoted things, and the tithe all mean the same thing. Number two, tithing requires faith and it's the primary way we acknowledge God as first in our life. It takes faith to give when you don't know if there's going to be enough. It takes faith. Let me see. Do I give to MasterCard first or do I give to the Master? Number three, when I give to God the first 10% of my increase, it causes the remaining 90% to be blessed. Tithing is honoring God is first in my life and trusting Him to take care of the rest of the things in my life. Number five, an overflowing blessed life begins by going through the gateway of the tithe. The gateway of the tithe. You want to be blessed? You want more? Your first step is to become a tither. And really, the generous giver gives above the tithe. And that's where multiplication takes place. Because the ground is blessed. And we'll look at the blessings uh, of a, a tither. It's just, they're awesome. But I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. This is all, usually a, a hard thing, and I understand that. But all I'm asking, you be open to God. If you're not a tither, be open to Him. Because He's not like man that can lie. He always gives truth. He always speaks truth. Father, I thank you for speaking to every person here. Even those that are tithers, Lord, they need to, maybe they need to release their faith. Maybe they're waiting on some things. They need to put their faith in what they're already doing. thinking about the blessing the, the confession we do many times here and the, the confession of the blessings I believe are connected to putting him first he's just not second he's worthy of our everything when I consider all he's done the only thing that's reasonable for me is to lay down my whole life. When I consider he owns the 100%, it's not just that the, he owns the tithe, he owns 
He just requires of us to give to Him and honor Him with the 10%. Father, I thank You that this is a moment, a turning for many right now. That they're seeing You as the Redeemer. They're seeing You, Lord, as Provider. They're seeing You as Jehovah Jireh the provider our provision our supply and maybe you've been looking to yourself for supply but look to him doesn't mean you quit your job it means that you're working for Jesus and you give excellence you give your best in whatever you do but he receives all the honor and glory everything good in your life came from him every blessing yes those kids that he's blessed you with are a gift from God that spouse is a gift from God it's friendships even the church that he joined you to is a gift from God Father we worship you we put you first in our lives we declare that you are the true and the living God and this principle of first things Lord may it be ingrained in our life may we never be the same again may we get our sights on bigger things may our vision be enlarged as we see you as our provider no one looking around the Lord's dealing with you about what this message is I just want you to lift your hand thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Father for all these have lifted their hand thank you Lord as they lifted their hand I believe revelation in your speaking and your expanding in their life. Fresh insight, fresh understanding, fresh calling and purpose. I thank you for each of them. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, I want to ask you to make a decision. I want you to take Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. He wants you to have the life that you always love. He wants to bless you with more because He loves you. If today you want to say yes to Jesus, and maybe you have before, But you know right now, you need to take a stand for Jesus. I want you to, I want you to stand for Him. I want you to take that step. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to read this blessing to you. Just lift your hands. 
God has blessed you with all the promises of the new covenant in Christ. Being yes and amen. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I bless you with ability, with abundance, clear direction, and a control, controlled and disciplined life. Let's all stand up. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Yeah.